Many years ago, I attended church with my family and every morning and every evening service was something that would happen that would kind of catch me off guard. You see, I was young and really didn't understand. But there was a lady that sit in the middle pew that would cry and mourn sobbingly and praise God during the service, the preaching. And it never stopped. And this went on morning and evening for years. As she would cry out, Lord, forgive me. Forgive him. Lord, be with us. And me being the immature person that I was at that time, begged the question one day to one of our leaders, what's her problem? And I've never forgotten the answer. You see, her problem was her son was on death row. And she prayed for this young man for years. She lamented, she mourned that the God who saved her soul would one day save his. Brothers and sisters, I want to read to you a scripture this morning and make a connection. I know that from the past few years that I have stressed and preached and pushed God's righteousness, His holiness, and only can you be restored by Christ alone. This morning again, I will share some things that you may not agree with. But as I've said many times, and I will not hide behind that fact, nor will I get behind a hill and cower down, that I honestly believe, as one evangelist said, if Christ came back today, He would not cleanse the temple, He would cleanse the pulpit. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Lamentations. And I will make a connection to this illustration. The book of Lamentations. Book of Lamentations chapter 5. You, Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why will you forget us forever? Why do you abandon us for so long? Restore us to you, Lord, so that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. I wanted you to sit down for this one. That is the ending verses to Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations is a five-chapter book written in a poetic form called acrostic, 
which we use every 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. This is a lament. Lamentations, lament means to mourn. It means to cry out with deep sorrow. We believe that the author of Lamentations is the prophet Jeremiah. You see, Jeremiah was a prophet who would prophesy in the southern kingdom, but would be rejected by his own men. You see, Jeremiah would cry out, Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon them, that we would repent. Because we have learned that the Old Testament teaches us clearly that obedience equals blessing, disobedience equals cursing. God had made a covenant with His people on Sinai. God is faithful in His promises, yet we are not faithful in ours. So what connection are you making to that illustration, Chad? Where you say this woman lamented. You see, here, Jeremiah is lamenting over Jerusalem. He has seen the destruction of their inheritance, if you will. Therefore, since they had lost their inheritance, they feel they had lost God. Because of their sinful ways, Jeremiah would lament that the people of God would repent and come back to him. What I'm going to tell you today that I believe that is what is exactly happening in the American church. Brothers and sisters, we're not mourning over our sin. We're moving around it. We have become a group of people that call ourselves God's children. And we don't mourn over our sin. We move around it. We don't call sin, sin. We call it mistakes. We use God's grace as a hall pass to live like hell. And we wonder why what is happening today is happening today. You see, I want to go through these verses, if you would allow me to, for a few moments. To give you some illustrations between the church, I believe today, in Jerusalem of old, or in the Hebrews of old. You see, what has happened here is what you will find is Jeremiah praying that God would restore us. Us. When was the last time you mourned over your sin? That you mourned and prayed over those that were lost? Let me ask you another question, people. What is your Jerusalem? What do you mourn or pray for? Or do you do it at all? You say, I want to give you three points, and I'm going to spend some time in this, just as this lady would mourn over her child, that she would pray for God to soften his heart. I believe today more than ever is that Christians who call themselves Christians need to be mourning and praying for others and not just letting it go. Number 19, Lord, you rule forever. The first restore that I want you to understand is we have to restore ourselves. 
lives. I must ask, as we've been talking about in, on Wednesday night, and we have been talking even in our Sunday school class at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, that we've been talking about Christ in our lives. You see, see what is amazing with me, if you have been born again, and you have believed the gospel and repented of your sin, the Holy Spirit that is living within you gives you that fire, that zeal for the Word of God. You say, well, Chad, I don't have a fire or I don't have a zeal. You must ask yourself, do you know Christ? You see, I honestly believe is what is happening today is sin has become something more of an inconvenience than something that needs to be turned from. You see, David will say in Psalm 139, Search me, O Lord, to see if there will be a wicked way in me. You see, that is what Jeremiah is saying. Will you abandon us? Have you forgotten us? He is making it plural. We must each examine ourselves to see if we are right standing with God. We think a lot of times that when we act uh, against the Word of God or we act sinful, that, oh, we just made a mistake, have a great day. Sin should hurt. You say, how can I know that I'm saved? Listen to this. If sin don't hurt, then you may be lost. I will not back down from that. You will not hear this in Lakewood Church on Sunday morning. Am I better than anybody? No, I fail. But I tell you what, sin hurts. And we must restore ourselves. Jeremiah will not only pray for his people, he'll pray for himself daily to make sure that he is in right standing with God. Every day that we wake up, we need to see God's holiness, His righteousness, and live for Him, not against Him. He says, Lord, You rule forever. Let me tell you, put that in context for you. When we make ourselves right, what we are coming to the acknowledgement of is this. We do not rule, Christ does. You see the difference? You see the difference? We don't rule. We like to. But I have never heard that song, To Chad Be the Glory, Great Things He Hath Done. Restore ourselves. Your throne is from generation to generation. Hold to that. I often think of Job as he wants to stand before God and say, Lord, what have I done? Let, let, let me speak. God says, Who are you to darken my counsel without knowledge? Who are you? I'm the one that makes the sun rise and fall. I'm the one that tells the sea to stop. Who are you? Job got a quick quick understanding. I know what you're thinking. Man, that ain't right. That man went through a lot. But he was created by God. God is right to say what he wants to. Job was not ruler. Christ was. The difference in a redeemed man who wants to serve Christ and love the Lord God with all his heart, soul, and mind, realizes that he is not number one, that he is subordinate to God. We see these signs all over the place. I tell you now, love yourself first. Wrong. You love Christ first. 
He rules. Your throne is from generation to generation. I don't have a throne. And if I did, in a few years, I'm going to leave this world. I can go through history that which I love, but I'll tell you this. Kings and kingdoms have ceased, but God's kingdom is forever. He rules. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why will you forget us forever? Oh, it seems so awful. You think about that. When you're left desolate and you seem so all alone. Let me tell you from Jeremiah's perspective. Okay? Now, I'm not Jeremiah, but I've read his work. And he seemed like God had abandoned him. In the lonely state of sin, that is what you are. You're all alone. And God will allow you to go through these things because you know why? You need to learn total dependence. You see, I often think to myself that I'll never forget those were times when I would disappoint my mom and dad. Or I would, I would fail tremendously. And they would put me in the room by myself. And to know that my mom and dad was mad at me would destroy me. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, your sin should be so overwhelming on your heart that you know it destroyed God. Sin hurts. And you should have that feeling, God, have you abandoned me? No. We've abandoned Him. We pray that the Lord would restore us. As Psalm 123 said, because we are full of contempt. We need restoration. But I also pray, number two, restoration of our family. I want you to go with me on this. Because what you will see here when Jeremiah says generation to generation, something happened. You see, the Bible would tell me when God made a covenant with his people, Deuteronomy 11 says, teach your children. We're not teaching our children, people. It's not the church's job to raise your child. It's your job. It's not the church's job to teach Christ to your children. It's your job. We are a place of worship that will try to help and disciple you to learn how godly people live godly lives. We're not in your household. You see, what had happened from generation to generation, this is what I wanted to get into. You see, on Wednesday we studied the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, after Joshua dies, okay, you have this period of Judges. It is called the dark time of Israel. 300 years between the death of Joshua to the monarchy, if you will, of Saul. One-third of Israel's Old Testament history happens in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is one of the most graphic, violent books that you'll ever read. Why? Because God does not tolerate sin. And here's the thing. We call it the seven cycles of sin in the book of Judges. Y'all got to come on Wednesday nights, man. I... We love this. And on Sunday mornings, you say, Chad, I'm tired. I get up 4.30 every day. I'm tired too. But I love the Word of God. We have questions. Listen, listen, listen. This is great. So what would happen? Israel would fail. They would get into sin. God would raise up a judge. 
they would be restored. Then all of a sudden, it'd fall again. Am I wrong on that? Okay. Cycle. Seven cycles of sin. Sin has consequences. Instead of them looking to the Lord, they look to themselves. They look to the generation because the book of Judges says this, that the generation after Joshua did not know the Lord. Now listen to me. That's what's happening in the church. Children don't know the Lord. We don't even know who God is. Do you mourn and lament over your children? Let me ask you this. How many of you tuck your children in every night and pray with them? Let me ask you another question. How many times after you tuck them in and pray with them, do you go to the bed and pray over them? I strike a nerve? I should. When we get serious about God, then this world will see we're serious about Him. That's why generations go on from other because it's not being taught in the home. And this is exactly what happened to the children of Israel. They forgot who God was. Write it on the doorpost. Write it on the lentils. We have not written the Word of God. Joshua told us very clearly, you choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you lament over your children? Do you let the world teach them? I'm not telling you that every child's going to be raised up to be the next Billy Graham. I can't tell you they're going to be saved. But I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share you a story. Listen. I did it Wednesday, did it this morning, I'm going to do it again. Yes, I'm sweating, but it's going to be all right. I had a teacher by the name of Marshall Howell when I was a child. I didn't like Sunday school too much because of a child being that way, 11, 12, whatever I was, 8, 9, 10, 13, whatever I was, I was in there for a while. I thought I was boring. This man would preach the, God, preach the Word of God. Not only preach the Word of God, he didn't preach just the little cutish stories we always learn. He taught me why. We did fun things as kids. He took us to the mountains. He would take us to the mountains. We hiked to hike Table Rock one day. He liked to kill me. I was a big boy back then too. But as we hiked in that, the trip was so fun because he said, look around you at the beauty of the things that God has made. This is my Father's world. Man, this is I got saved later in life. And yes, I enjoyed playing Red Rover. Please send Fred right over. I'm going to take his head off. <laughs> we used to love playing those games. We didn't have phones. We didn't have cell service. We didn't have iPads. We didn't have all these things that we have used to raise our kids. Hello? But 50 years later, and I was saved 30 years later, he still reigns in the back of my head because he told me the Word of God. My parents, they were not perfect, but they made church and Christ a priority. If I spent the night with somebody, on a Saturday night, I better be in church with them the next morning. If they didn't go to church, I didn't go to their house. Hmm. This is why generations have changed. Because we have let the world rule our children. 
As Vody Bauckham says, if we send our children to Caesar for education, why should we be surprised when they come back like Romans? Hello? Our children, our family, our marriages. Oh, this is going to get cute. But let me tell you what's happening here. Mom and daddy got to set the example, people. When's the last time you lamented over your marriage? I'm going to tell you what it is. This is the way that the world views marriage. Dad's the bumbling idiot. Mama's the peacemaker. And the kid drove a home. Have you watched TV? But Chad, you getting awful close here. Well, I'm going to get further, so hang on. I believe even in the church day, that the women are the men of the house. And the men are putting on women clothes. Let me tell you something, men. Whether you on air, whether you in here today, won't you grow up and be men? God ordains you to be the head of the household. You don't know who I live with. I've heard that. I'd rather avoid trouble. People treat their marriage in this way. Listen. It's just like Winston Churchill said one time. A lady come up to you and said, Mr. Churchill, if I was your wife, I'd give you poison to drink. He replied to her real, in his little quips, well, if you was my, if I was your husband, I'd gladly drink it. <laughs> but that's the way we treat our marriages. Men be men. Women be women. The Bible tells us real quick like that the men are the head of the house. Be men. And men, you're to love your wife as Christ loves the church. If you can't love your wife like Christ loves the church, let me tell you something. No wonder your marriage is tough. She's not your old ball. She's not your chain. She's not your old lady. She's your wife. Men be men. Well, my wife's feisty. Well, be a man. Once you lead, maybe she'll follow. You see what has happened through time? And let me tell you about marriages today. I don't want nobody raising their hand. When I was a child, we sit at the table and we eat together. You remember this? We sit and we eat together. Now we send our kids off to a room with our little pads. We sit there and eat something quick. 8.30, bedtime! Restore us, God! What is wrong with us? We don't teach our children. They don't know because they regurgitate what they see in us. If we treat our spouses like garbage, I can promise you your kids will. If you have an attitude, they'll have one. If you make fun of other people, so will they. But if you study the Word of God and you show them that you want to the best of your ability to train up a child in the way they should go, they may not always hold to it, but I'll tell you this. It'll always be ingrained in the back of their head. Let God take care of the results. Amen? Restore us, O oh God. Restore ourselves. Restore our families. 
And number three, God, please restore our church. I am praying for a revival. I can't send it. But I'm praying for God to send a revival. Because until we get ourselves right, we cannot expect the church to be right. We see so many times what you will learn, will learn from this generational thing that he's saying is we have forgotten to live godly lives. We have abandoned truth to live the way we want to live. And now not only has that happened outside the world, it's manifested itself inside the church. When I was a child, we had something called Sunday school. I know what everybody's going to say. Here we go. Old school Chad. I will tell you this. The world today and even the church don't even know the basics. So how can they know the gospel? And most professing Christians, as I've said, couldn't name the 12 apostles if their life depended on it. You see, Chad, what does that matter? i tell you why it matters. Because the Word of God matters. And if I'm to teach my children, I'm to teach them correctly. And what has happened outside this world has manifested into this church. If we do not, not in this church, I'm just saying it will. Let me back up. It will and it can. Any of us get our eyes off Jesus or preach false truth or live according to the world instead of according to Christ? It can happen, brother and sister. But listen to me. By not teaching our children and raising them up in the way they should go, we have created another generation of people who have changed the gospel. Think about this. That the words that were preached many years ago about faith and repentance have become words, if we disorder some prayer, we pat somebody on the back and baptize them and say, welcome to the kingdom, brother. That's what the gospel's become. When the gospel is you believe and you repent. Period. And we see what has happened now with our churches. When I talk about pray for the church, this is where it really gets cute. But this is a hill I'll die on. I'm not going to kick off my shoes today. They're too hard to tie. But I'll tell you this. Listen to me. When churches boast about what they have, instead of who has them, you better reevaluate your life. Most people that want to go to church want to see something for children. Man, they sure have a kids' good kids' program. Why? Because they've taken their youth and turned it into Dave and Busters? They got video games? They have cool sound effects? Teach them the Word of God. You can still have fun. Fun should be secondary, Christ should be primary. We build our cathedrals to God and we say, what a beautiful building we have. We boast about our $50 million buildings. We boast about all the things that we have. And let me tell you something. Things are material. Well, everybody loves us. They sure do like our building. One from my pastor in church, I think I shared this one time before. People would come up to me and say, you sure had a beautiful building. But man, what happened inside was rough. 
my one-time pastor a church that was a $2 million building with a school and a gymnasium and it had 18 people. Somebody shared on Facebook the other day, a church is for sale. That could be this one. This place is, listen to me, this place is no more holier than the people that make it up. You hear me? And I pray for our church. We can't be redeemed. Look what it says. Will you forget us forever? Why do you abandon us so long? Restore us, O Lord, so that we may be destroyed. Renew our days. Who are you asking to renew? God. There's no way we can change anything. Your addiction, you're not going to change it. Your perverted life, you're not going to change it. Your lust, your greed, your materialism, you're not going to change it. But Christ can. We're not going to change the church. But Christ, through His power, through His Spirit, through His love of His Son, Jesus Christ, can renew it like the days of old. Amen? Where the gospel meant something. What is your Jerusalem? Do you pray for restoration? Do you pray for restoration in your home? Are you so broken? Listen to me. When Nehemiah had heard that the walls of Jerusalem, he becomes so disheartened because the inheritance into the promised land that they had had been destroyed by men, ungodly men. And he says this, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love Him and keep His commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and upon your eyes to open and hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. And I and my father's house have sinned. He wept, he mourned, he fasted, not only praying for his sin, but for the sins of others. Jesus said clearly, God, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray for ourselves. We pray for others. We pray, we pray, we pray, we mourn. We, we, we fall on our faces and say, God, restore us. Please, renew us of our days of old. In verse 22, how the book ends, unless you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. What a way to end the book. With extreme pessimism. But according to the Hebrew reading of this work, when they would read it publicly, they always went back to verse 121. Or verse 21. Restore us to you. Because it may feel like we've been abandoned. But God, you are the one that 
renews. I cannot help but think, as I go back to Lamentations 3, as Jeremiah is crying out, he says, remember my misery and my homelessness, the wormwood and the bitterness. My soul certainly remembers and has been over within me. But I recall this to mind. Listen. Therefore wait. The acts of the Lord's mercy indeed do not end, for His compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Let the Lord as my portion, says my soul. Therefore I wait for Him. The Lord is good to those who wait Him, to the person who seeks Him. What is your Jerusalem? Do you mourn? Do you weep? Are you weeping for those that are lost? Are you weeping for your children? Are you weeping for your marriage to be restored? Are you weeping for the church that we have taken the church and go back to the gospel instead of something that looks like six flags over Jesus? What have we done? What have we done? Guys, I I want you to join in me. Join in with me to pray. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to offer this front up for a time of prayer. What is your Jerusalem? Guys, look. I want to see God work, but it begins with me. And I want to spend some time in prayer this morning. You can pray where you are, you can pray in your seat, or you can come and fall before the Lord right here. But I think it's time that we started lamenting and praying over our families, ourselves, and our church. Because let me assure you of this, if we continue to lean on the world, it will take us down. But God is faithful to the remnant, to those who hold unswerving to the faith they possess. For He that promised is faithful. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I believe it. For years of my life, I was not the head of my household. My wife was. I was not the father that I was supposed to be. My wife was. I was not the church member that I was supposed to be. I was not the example that people thought I should be. But one day, Jesus Christ saved me. And I have never been the same. And let me tell you this, He can save you today. Repent and believe the gospel. The good news that He alone, by God's grace alone, in His blood His wrath poured upon His Son in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in all those who believe. Is it alive in you? Guys, we pray today. Uh, Music team, if you could come up. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Come up. And if you would just play through it musically, if you will, instrumentally for a little bit. Let's have a time of prayer, please. Please, let's have a time of prayer. And then we get through praying. 
We're going to look to who can restore us. You see what Jeremiah was saying in Lamentations is something y'all may have heard. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. What Jeremiah understood that regardless how tough things are, when I lament, I mourn, I seek Christ, I leave the results to Him. He expects me to be faithful because God is always faithful. Let's play through there. Let's have a time of prayer. Again, you can pray where you are or you can pray up front, but please pray with me. Pray for restoration. God, restore us. Thank you.